0: Hey guys, and welcome to tonight's episode of Sasquatch Odyssey. As always, thank you guys for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us for the show. We've got two great guests coming up for you. We've got Randy and we've got Jeff coming up. Both have had several encounters. Pretty interesting stuff tonight. As always, I say I'll let you be the judge of the stories. But before we get there, as always, I want to invite you. If you've had an encounter and you'd like to be on the show... Please shoot me an email. You can get me at brian at Odyssey.net. We continue the new website preparation, guys. We're going to have a paid content section. I'm very excited about it. The show is going to remain free, but if you guys want to hear the show without ads and you guys want the extra content, the extra show per week, access to the blog, we're going to have that on a paid content section on the website. Should be coming up in the next couple of weeks, so just stay tuned for that. I've had a couple of questions lately that I just wanted to address. You guys have asked me why I do the show. Someone, it was a little bit of a confrontation in one of the groups. I won't go into that, but the guy kept saying, what do you get out of this? Why do you do this show? And I had to think about that for a little bit, and I had to tell him that I do the show because I think these encounters are important. I have had an encounter when I was about 12 years old. It wasn't a visual encounter. It was A situation where I was paced out of the woods by one of these things. I heard some vocalizations. I heard some huffs. I don't know what it was. I don't know that it was a Sasquatch because unlike many of you guys who come on the show, I haven't actually seen one. But I do these shows week after week after week with these encounters where you guys have had a visual encounter. Or maybe it was just being paced in the woods. Or maybe it was just a situation where you heard vocalization. I don't make the determination of whose story is better than the other because there is no such thing. I document encounters. This show is about your encounters. I put those encounters out there because I think they're important. So, If anybody asks me why I do this show, it's certainly not because of the money. I'm not making money off this show. Let me just put that out there. I'm looking to do a paid section on the website for you guys to get an additional show every week and to enjoy the blog and to interact with me and other people who are like-minded that are interested in this. I'm doing the paid content because it costs money to put this show out there. I have to pay for the equipment. I have to pay for the website to be built. I have to pay for the show to be hosted. I have to pay for the website to be live. So sure, there's money involved, but it takes money to put the show out there. And I want to keep the show out there because you guys clearly enjoy it. You guys are downloading the shows, you're commenting on them, and you enjoy the content. So if you enjoy the show, please go and support it. Once that is up live on the website, I'll let you guys know. There'll be a small monthly fee that you can go sign up for to support the show and get the additional content, get the additional access to the blog, comment sections, those kind of things. So, just hang in there. And ultimately, I do this show because I think it's important. I do this show because I enjoy listening to you guys tell your encounters. I enjoy putting those encounters out there and having other people have access to them and be able to hear your stories because I do think they're important. And as I said, we've got two amazing guys on the line that are going to share their encounters with us tonight. So, let's jump over to our first guest. I don't want to welcome Jeffrey to the show. Jeffrey comes to us from Ohio. Uh, welcome to the show, Jeffrey. I'm
1: glad y'all could have me on here tonight.
0: Absolutely, man. The pleasure's all mine. So I know you've had multiple encounters with Sasquatch throughout your life. So, kind of take us back to that first encounter, if you would, and where were you? What were you doing? And what happened out there, man?
1: Okay, well, back when uh, I was about eight, my little sister was probably six. They made me take mom and dad. Made me take her to school every day. So, being from the town that we were from. We always took a different route than the we were kids, which was up on top of the hill, closest to a place called Indian Mountain, And that was the way we took Highland Avenue, straight shot to school, straight shot home. But on the right side of Highland Avenue was all woods. Well, coming from school, one day, we're talking. It's just me and her. Everything's silent. Not a lot of traffic goes through there. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, I hear a hoot or a snoot shaking the trees in the woods across the street. Probably I said about fifty yards. And then right after that boom, a rock crashes right into the street. I look back into the woods from where I heard the sound. And uh, the sun was up towards the bridge of those woods that day and I could see something moving erratically from left to right and forward to back, uh, limbs shaking. So at this point I'm tripping out, just freaking. You know, you know, young kid coming home from school, you know, who sees something like that. So I told my sister, just There wasn't nothing, just just go on walking, let's just get down the hill, make the turn to go to the house. Well, we go to move, and to make our move down towards the turn to get down to Linden, and all of a sudden, boom, another rocket, about the same size. So I look back, and at this point, we're both giving this thing a little more attention. Now, my sister pretty much had caught on to what was happening, too. Now, I got her yelling and freaking, you know, and all I'm doing, I'm in a trance at this point, just staring at the woods, because I've never seen nothing like this before. You know, and really, it was really hard, you know, to describe until looking back on it, all this at a later date, you know, the thing was probably about seven and a half, eight foot tall, probably, you know, estimating weight from back then, you know, uh, I would probably say at least five to six hundred pounds, you know, and seeing this as a kid it freaked us out. So, you know, we paid, we were automatically out of there, bolted down the house, you know, to the house, which is a uh, half block away. All downhill, mind you. We get to the house, tell mom and dad everything that's happening, and you know to call the police. We're afraid some other kids might be coming through there; they might get hurt, you know. And then mom and dad just basically brush it off as we're children and we're stupid, and we don't know what we're talking about, you know. You kids are something else. Let's go to your room and play. So that was pretty much it for the first incident there.
0: Did you get a chance to to see it? How far away was the creature when you saw it?
1: I would say. A good fifty yards. Okay. But the the woods there were dense, and the color of the creature blended in perfectly to all the trees that were in that area. So it was kind of hard, but I could see the outline. You could see the arms up on the branches shaking them, you know. But you couldn't really get a, a good view of the face, which mm-hmm. I've seen. You know, I've heard a lot of stories about that. But you know, I did see the outline, and I knew it wasn't nothing that I'd seen before, and you know. <laughs> our area is not known for anything like that to be in there whatsoever, you know, black bears or anything like that. This thing was on two legs and it really freaked me out. I mean, you know, and the worst part about it was our parents didn't take it seriously. And the way that they raised us was to be, you know, open and honest about everything. And that's the way we pretty much, you know, had been throughout our whole lives. But all it was was a build-up to bigger and better things for me because more continued to happen. As I got older, and left house. you know, I left home. I'd say probably about 16, not married, but I was always in the woods fishing. I was always outdoors somewhere.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you, I mean, going back to you telling your story to the parents, I think that's one of the toughest things about these kind of encounters is nobody tends to believe you. And it's okay when you go to work and you tell co-workers or you tell, you know, friends or acquaintances but when it's your family and they don't believe you that's that's a tough that's a tough road to hoe man so i can only imagine as a kid knowing what you saw and your parents right. not believing you and but i mean at the same time it's got to be one of those things where if you haven't ever seen these things and you've never had an experience with them it's very very difficult for people to grasp what, what you're oh, talking yeah. about so
2: exactly.
0: I, this obviously didn't scare you out of the woods um from that experience no. when you were a kid nope. so w- what 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 was your second incident what What happened during that encounter?
1: Okay, now, at this point, I am you know married. I'm trying to get out of the house, and I got get married young, so I'm looking for any excuse to get out of the house And pretty much the weekends when I was all work my you know my best friend and I we would go fish like uh the Miami River down thirty two where we live, or we would go up to Lake Cowan, which is up in northeastern Ohio, or we would go fish a place called Todds Creek, which is out in Morrow, Ohio. Um, so we're up in Morrow and this is the ironic thing about this story here is we're fishing Lake Cowan first thing in the morning before anybody else gets there. And we go to fish, we set up, we got a boat rented, we're on the other side of the lake and boom, out of nowhere. You know, I'm thinking beautiful day, it's going to be great. My best friend throws a, a spoon right through my ear. That ended that trip quick as hell, we had to go across to the bait house and get, a, you know, the, the guard to cut the, the spoon out of my ear. So at this point I'm ready to go home. Well, Chris says, no, no, let's just go on down. We're already out here. Let's go fish, Tom's Creek, you know. And I wasn't thinking nothing of it, but, you know, why not? We're already here. My ear's not hurting that bad. Let's go ahead. So, you know, we've been there before, and I knew we could catch, you know, some white bass or smallmouth, so we went ahead and went. It's eerie where this place is anyway, to start. It's, a, you know, it's at Morrow, Ohio. It's a lot of land, a lot of woods, and the area where we went to fish, Tom's Creek, there's one big white farmhouse, and that's it. Everything else around you is just all woods. And then you get out of the truck, you got to walk in about seven, 800 yards to even go in the fence line to get to the creek to fish. Well, we get back there. Um, we, you know, we both forgot our waiters being by the frame because we were, you know, thinking we're doing the boat thing today. And then that flipped backwards on us. So we went ahead and got out in the water and was waiting anyway. You know, and I, I, he went down about, I don't know, about 25, 30, 40 yards tops from me and I'm out in the middle about knee deep. And, you know, you you get that looking back on it now. I got an eerie feeling like I was being watched, you know, eyes on me. And I'm thinking, there's no way anybody could be in here. You know, we know that the homeowner that owns the property, he's old man. He's not going to be able to even make it this far out here. So what is this actually? I just just felt like there was eyes on me. But I just went ahead and brushed it off and didn't even think nothing of it. Well, next thing you know, boom, rock Comes from the opposite side of where we're at you know, from the deep part of the woods and into the water about five, feet away from me. So at this point I'm freaking everything, you know, all the stories you hear about, you know, start following in me being told by my uncle Jack about if you ever are out in the woods, you know, cause he was from Arkansas. He would always say, you know, be careful when you're in the woods, very dangerous, but you also got to watch. You feel like eyes are on you, you leave. And if something gets done at you from that, you know, out of nowhere, leave, put your head down, don't look back and just go. So, that's what I'm thinking at this point. But I really didn't want to leave because we just got there. And I was you know, kind of just chugging up like maybe it was this, you know, you couldn't explain it. And I didn't see anything. So I just said, well, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and continue to fish. Well, not three or four minutes later. Same thing happened again, just like it happened uh, when we were kids. And the second time that hit, I looked at Chris, you know, because I even think, think, looking back on it now, the first time that happened, I, I actually looked down at him like, Chris, did you just know that? And he's like, what are you talking about? He said, "I heard that. I just thought it was a fish. But then the second time he was looking at me directly when the rock hit next to me. You know what I mean? And we looked at each other, and we were trying to walk on water to get out of that place. Mind you, we're soaking wet. Then once you get out, you gotta go through the woods on the opposite side where the rocks come from, get to the fence line. Then you got a seven hundred tr- you know yard trek back back to the truck. And we're soaking wet as it is anyway. You know, and we're freaking." Like, what this happened here? You know what I mean? So fear overtook me, and him as well. You know, what was that? What was that all the way down the fence line? You know, and about three-quarters of the way down, something ironic happened, you know, we're really close to the truck now, so we're, you know, we're getting confident we're going to make it back to the truck. I said, look, as soon as we get to the truck, throw the poles in there, and let's just get in and go. Well, we, we heard a pack of dogs coming through out of where we just come out of. Who's to say what they were chasing? or if they were being run by somebody else, you know, you just never know. But well after, you know, we'd done that, that area. So, you know, we never heard no gunshots or anything like that. So we just took it as maybe, you know, a couple of wild dogs running through there. But never really after that incident did we ever go back there and put in, you know, any more than 30 minutes of fishing. So that did take me away from that part of the woods. But
0: so, what were you thinking while this was going on? Were you thinking back to when you were a kid? Did you were you thinking yeah, yeah, Sasquatch? Yeah,
1: flashbacks, flashbacks, flashbacks. Okay. You know, starting to envision. You know, slowly as I'm putting two and two together, or what this was compared to that. You know, what I mean, because it happened so many years before. You know, I suppressed it because you know the way that my parents had you know interacted with us about it. You know, and it made us look like we were fools. You know, I didn't want to. You know, even than what was going on. But as we put it together, I mean, together along that fence line, like I said, you know, I just knew it had to have been something exactly like, you know, that happened to me when I was eight. Well, my sister freaked me out.
0: Did the friend that was with you know about the story from when you were eight?
1: Oh, yeah, he knew. He, he grew up in the same town and he played football with me. And we drank together on Friday nights. We'd have a few beers together and then always get to plan together on where we were going to go Saturday and Sunday, you know? I so you. we'd always get together. So we talked about everything. So he knew, he knew what, you know, and plus he lived in the same town as me as well. You know what I mean? So he'd heard and seen some, you know, some stuff too. Where we lived, even though it was a city, there's a lot of woods all the way around us. And it was, you know, where we lived was pretty much, uh, Indian Mountain was in a, and what we learned was a historical site, an Indian, you know, burial ground. So that was kind of, you know, kind of ironic in itself. That's that what happened there.
0: All right, so what happened during your third encounter?
1: Okay. The third one was by far the most impressive and it freaked me out. And I never, never went back there and fished after this. Now, this is kind of a long uh, encounter, but it was also wicked how it went down. Um, my Uncle Mike, former Army Ranger, had a buddy that lived out on the Harrison border, which is real close to the um, Ohio-Indiana border. And right next to his house, you know, set beside it, was the Miami Whitewater Forest. And you're talking both of them together, probably about 6,000 acres of land. And we would always go out there during the daytime and fish. But uh, after Tom retired, you know, he was always out of the house during the day. wasn't there you know, we'd like to go fish today. So somehow it came about we were going to go night fish up there. And nobody had done it in a long time. Um, I don't know why. But looking back on it now, I know why. Um, for one, the Hill, it was a 80, 85-degree angle uh, halfway up this place just to get to the top. And then it would flatten out perfectly on the left side. It was a ridge and another mountain, a little bit of a climb to uh, Lake 2 is what they called it. We were at Lake 1 when you finally get to the top. And the, the Lake 2 was bigger, but there was a ridge that come all the way around from the backside of Lake 2. And it came down all the way perfectly level to Lake 1. And then there was a hillside that kind of met it, you know, halfway through. So Lake 1 kind of sits in a bowl. And the wind pretty much there comes from the west to the east. So we were pretty much out of the wind, which was cool. Because you know we like to go up there and fish with bobbers, but uh, so we get up there, we're fishing. The cows are off to the left, and we're fishing in the middle, which is directly behind us. You know, the jump off to go down. So we're you know we're up there, we're burning them up. This is like September. It's still kind of warm out, like 80 degrees that day. Everything's great till about midnight. No fire, no nothing. Just one laner, and because uh, Lake One was pretty small, you could light it up pretty much a quarter of the lake with this one little laner. In there. So we had one lantern, and the cows get up at about 12 o'clock off to the left-hand side, and they go ahead and roll out on us up to the hill to Lake 2, just out of nowhere. And they kind of, you know, didn't really, I didn't think anything of it until later on. So they went, you know, they got up, went up out out the way up to Lake 2, and no wind that night, the moon was, you know, full. And then about an hour later, off to the left-hand side of Lake, you know, that ridge that comes down from Lake 2, we hear some crashing coming through the woods, and there's nothing really, you know, super loud. So we're thinking maybe a deer or two or three coming through, you know, foraging for food or maybe working our way down to where we were to maybe get water in the morning. You know, we we thought maybe we had, you know, disturbed our water and pattern on the trail. So, you know, we continued to fish. And you can still, you know, from time to time, hear whatever this is coming. but it's coming slowly and really evasively, like almost moving the pattern. So we, we, you know, we were up there, so it was great up there. So we were just trying to get the most out of the night. So about three o'clock everything shut down. I go to switch over to do some competition with minnows. I grabbed the minnow bucket, I grabbed one pole that I already had set up with a slip bobber, and I knew a hole off to the left, which is where, you know, the ridge come down off that side. And it's all woods on that side, and until you about three feet away from the lake, it's all woods. So, you know what I mean? Two steps, you're in the woods. Two steps, you know, you're out. So, I go to make my move over there, and I put the lantern up on my spot. And what I've seen, three... Me out forever. It was life changing, life altering. There's this thing. It's cinnamon brown. It's crouched down on two legs. As I'm putting the light on this thing, this bright hand is in the water. So as I'm putting the light on him, you know, I'm going in shock slowly early, And pretty much he is too. So he starts to move his hands, you know, with about 15, 20 seconds up out of the water. You can see the water, you know, dripping from his hands. Big, big ass hands. Cinnamon brown color. So I got the light on his back, he's pouring his hand out of the water. But as he does that, he's slowly looking towards me and he slowly turns his head over his left shoulder. He drowns as he does it and opens his mouth. I see the yellow eyes. You know, I guess because of you know the light that I had from lantern on him, it wasn't too much, you know, light. But, you know, I'd always remember seeing stuff, you know, like red eyed, like the dogs, you know, at the house, but this blue yellow. And at the end kind of like a you know, like, it was mad or disgusted that I'd actually, or, you know, it had actually got seen or pinpointed. You know what I mean? Looking back on it, we thought, you know, hey, this thing was coming down. We were up there when we weren't supposed to be, and we fucked up this whole schedule. We were at the wrong place at the wrong time. But really, for me, it was the right place at the right time. Because then it just confirmed everything I've ever went through. But, so at this time, I mean, I'm in shock. And this, like, we're both deer in headlights, you know, this thing and me. And I'm waiting for the to vote. You know, cause it was, it's not, it's not, it's not moving. It's not bolting. It's not, you know, I think I had it in shock as much as I was, because it had come downwind and didn't even know we were sitting down and there, there in that bolt. So what broke me from it? My dad and my two uncles, his brothers, were, you know, were on the vantage. What is that? Do you see that? What the hell is that? And when they said that, it kind of broke me loose from the situation that was going on. Now this thing went in its mouth. I had four K-9 teeth. Now they weren't huge in the like, Everybody else, you know, says that there's their encounters. It wasn't immense. And then they had regular teeth as well. And they had the the dark tan, you know, leathery face, half covered, a little bit of skin there. You could make out the eyes, like I said, and then the yellow that come out of them. But then the rest of the teeth were pretty much like regular. And the muscle, I mean, just pure muscle, but it, you know, crouched, it was probably about four foot. It wasn't no eight and a half, nine foot, like everybody else says. Like, but it was still impressive muscular wise. I mean, but it just wasn't humongous, uh, but still intimidating by far. (laughs) So when they say that, I say, go now, jump off, and we we all go. I still got the lantern. They're running down the mountain, but they have no lights. They can't see. I bolt out in front of them, but then when I lift the lantern to see where we're going, I kind of slow up, and they take me out. So we're fumbling and tumbling in the room down this mountain. I'm thinking, at any minute, one of us is going to get killed by this thing. You know what I mean? Like, life's over. Every emotion you could feel, I felt, within, you know, that climb down. And I remember getting to the bottom. We could never, either. none of us up there, could never really fully get our legs on our out of the fear of what we've just seen. Now, when we get to the bottom, guess what? It's shut up, don't say nothing. I'm never let us fish here again. They'll so go up there and try to hunt this thing and kill it. So we, you know, they made me make a pact to never say nothing. You know, to keep it stressed and I did forever. But what made me take this and let it loose was all the work everybody's doing here lately, you know, last five, six years making that big push. So, and then we find out Monday, my fiance uh, has lymphoma. And I just looked at it like, you know what? I've got bigger things to do. So why not let this loose? So I, you know, it's the reason why I decided to let it loose.
0: Well, I appreciate it, man. I, I know it's not easy coming forward and telling these stories like, especially after you've had an encounter like you did when you were eight years old and you go tell your parents that have always told you to be honest and open and, and you tell them and yeah. share what you, you saw and they don't believe you. So that's one of the reasons, the main reasons that I started this show was to give people like you a place to come and tell their stories because I really do believe it's important. We found footprints, we found possible DNA yeah. evidence, we've got exactly. plenty of pictures, plenty of videos, and these things are still not a proven species they're still a novel species right. and exactly. i believe that eyewitness testimony and encounter stories yep. like yours are the absolute best evidence that we we actually have at the moment about these things exactly. so i want to go back to what you saw w- when you walked up on this thing and it had a tan in the water I- i've heard that behavior many many times right. with people that i've talked to and i've heard other people recount their stories what do you think this thing was doing with its hand in the water?
1: I think it was actually, me personally, at that time, I said, what is he doing? You know, it was kind of hot that day. I thought, did he come down to get water, just like a deer would, but he come down a little earlier than they do? Or did he come down to get a drink and then sit there and like, wait for them to come a couple hours later and ambush him for food? You know, was it both? You know, you just don't know. You know what I mean, you just don't know. But initially, I just thought he'd come down for water. It was, you know, a little bit of water. It was hot that day. For september you know what i mean and yeah. then to carry around all that muscle and everything else they got and all the fur the fur was immense it was you know beautifully layered you know thick so like i said it was hot so we just you know i said water you know and my uncle mike who you know had the military experience oh he'd come down to hunt he'd come down here to sit down here at three o'clock every think about it he'd come down to the a Deer to ambush one of them as warm as it was you don't think he would come down here for water first And then we know. So you know, the more we talk, the more you know. After it happened, and we got up out of there, many things come across everybody's mind. But I automatically water. I guess that makes sense.
0: I mean, and clearly he has a hand. So we're humans. When you go out and you go, you're in that situation. You don't stick your face. Normally, you don't stick your face down in the creek or the water. You put it in your hands and bring it up to your mouth and drink. So I, I, I definitely see that could make sense. You were describing the teeth on this thing? Was it bearing its teeth at you? How were you able to get yeah, such a good Yeah, thing?
1: pretty much. Well, when he turned, he turned his head completely over his left shoulder. He didn't move the rest of his body, but he was already in a crouching position with his right hand, you know, kind of sitting maybe at a, I don't know, a 60 or a 70 degree angle and had his hand in the water. But, you know, like I said, maybe it took him, <laughs> you know, maybe a tenth of a second. He was already, you know, had eyes on me and was slowly glancing back and forth at me in the woods, me in the woods, me in the woods. You know, so I had a perfect sight. You know, the way that his mouth was shaped is when, you know, he opened it. Then top two canines first stuck out. But when he fully was on me at one point in time, it was maybe, you know, almost a full 90, he was on me eye to eye. With the left eye, not so much to right, but I could see, you know, the full frontal. You know, maybe a little angle off to the, to the right, but I've seen a full vision of the whole face. I mean, it's how I was able to catch the leather, you know, the leathery look. And then the canine, I've seen all, you know, you could see all four those. But then they had regular teeth that were kind of squared off. And the canine weren't immense neither. You know, they were impressive, but not immense like you see them, like Saber 2 Tigers and, you know, these other pictures that people got out there. Like, this thing was impressive, but just not ginormous, you know, like ones you see in Canada. Of course, they're you know, they're going to be bigger because they got more resources up there, you know, in that area than, these things have out that way. You know what I mean? That's what I took from it.
0: So, did this thing make any kind of vocalizations?
1: Uh, it smoothed it in you know, like a, a grunt and a, <laughs> you know, like it like it was pissed that it'd been, it had been, you know, it, it got seen, got spotted. Like it knew it made, it made a mistake. You know what I mean? Like warning me, but yet so upset of the situation is kind of what I got it. Because it started as a low, curdling growl and then kind of a snoot, you know. So, at the end, and like I said, then, you know, it took its eyes off me and slowly glanced to, you know, the woods, which they were only three feet away, top from where he was sitting. At any time, this thing could have bolted, so it made me feel like we had totally shocked and surprised this thing, because we were downwind from it the whole time, and I never really thought about it until recently. Like, how could that happen? Because the other two, I was out in the wide open. That's the only thing I could take from it, you know, just be perfect, night. Never went back up there after that. I never went back fishing daytime or night. I mean, the experiences that I had in these spots like really changed my life. What's worse is I was told to suppress, you know, that last that last one. And I remember being so emotional when we got to the car at Tom's in the parking lot, you know, because everything sat in the back of his house. He had a ton of land. But he also had a you know parking lot and had, you know, four wheelers and all that up there. But nobody went up there at night because Everybody seemed like they were scared to death to go there. So we just went one night, figured the fishing would be better, you know? And boom, that that all just went down like perfect. It was,
0: it was like perfect. the perfect storm, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, you would why would cows get up in the middle of the night and just leave out of nowhere? They grazed all day and laid you know, laid down at dark and, and after they drank water from the lake and was laying right there in the corner. You know, it was weird how they would just get up and leap like that and go up to the lake to the next lake. Which is another, you know, hundred fifty two hundred yards up to the top, off to the right hand side. So I just thought that was weird. It's like everything was on a schedule, and we interrupted it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, because you weren't normally, you weren't supposed to be up there, there.
1: Right? Yeah. Right. We were never there. <laughs> so, you know, you could say right place, right time, or wrong right place, place, wrong, wrong time, or <laughs> wrong place, wrong time. Right? You well, can go any which way you want.
0: I, I'm glad that when you guys got up and hauled ass, this thing didn't come after you. Mm-hmm. Did, did you see what happened? Did it? Did you just turn around and? Asshole I turned the around, elbows I was still in the same
1: and... position. Yep, I was asshole elbows. I jumped off the side of this 85 that this mountain sits on. You know, wasn't dangerous. I knew what was below anyway. You know, none of the logs and shit are until you get further down. You know, perfect pathway. But this thing was still in stuck mode. I think it. You know, I, looking back on it now, honestly. Hey, true, Brian. I don't think maybe this thing wasn't full grown. Maybe I caught a juvenile, and it had no clue what to do. Deer, deer, my deer headlights, is what I kind of got from the situation. But yet, in the beginning, still let out enough to let me know, hey, what the fuck are you doing here? You're in my area. You know what I mean? Hear me to death. So I mean, me if I couldn't get my legs out, you know, I couldn't get my legs back. from underneath me the whole way down the hill. Right. <laughs> that was what was
0: pretty good. So you've had these three encounters, the last of, I mean, you were literally feet away from this thing. Jeez. What was your impression? Was this thing more, well, let's just do all three, the, the three yeah. different ones. Comparatively, how did they compare in size between the well, three encounters? Um, was there a well, big difference in appearance
1: Okay. From number one, when we were kids, way bigger, way darker, totally different color, like a, a gorilla type color, but a little, you know, the hair was just really weird on the arms of this thing. You know, what I mean, like little, it was kind of long and this thing was impressive, seven and a half, eight foot tall, at least five, six hundred pounds. Could have been bigger. I was a kid, but I still remember what I've seen. You know what you see in broad daylight and when you're close up to something. Now, second time, I don't know what the hell was out of Tide Creek. We really didn't spend that much time in that area. We'd go fish it on the way home or on the way to the Lake Cowan, you know, and if they were biting, we'd stay till they quit. You know, we was never really there a all.
3: Today on News 4 at 4, we're working for you. An inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids. What children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4.
4: Tonight, it's The Voice Live Rounds, and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your face. The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC.
1: A really long period of time, like, we was, you know, playing as kids on Indian Mound, or, you know, as I got older. by NCUA
3: today on news four at four we're working for you an inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids what children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated today at 4 p.m on NBC4
4: Tonight, it's The Voice Live Rounds, and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your face, The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC.
1: Number, you know, the first one as a kid, that one was way darker, way bigger, from what I've seen of the outline. Compared to the one I've seen at the time, probably maybe yeah, three quarters, possibly maybe 300 pounds lighter. You know, like I said, it wasn't that, it was about four foot sitting crouched. So I took it to be about seven, seven and a half foot tops. But it was still huge, but not as, nowhere near as big as that the one I'd seen when I was a kid.
0: Given the proximity to the last one during the last encounter, what what was your impression? Was it more human-like, more ape-like?
1: This thing was by, by far orienting, it was remote for humans that I, you know, that i've ever seen you could you know i've heard people say wild wow, man you know I've, I've heard of that incident down on the river on 32 where they said it was just he was a bigfoot, but he was more you know half and half you know half skin and half hair this thing was made to be where it was and it wasn't a grizzly because they had the, you know grizzlies don't roll out there you know on the border of ohio indiana and you know it wasn't a black bear because i know what a black bear looks like i mean i grew up with my whole family we're hunters you know what i mean uh, my whole family comes from west virginia My dads and all of them grew up out there, West Virginia. And then my Uncle Jack, who taught me everything he knew, he grew up in Arkansas. I mean, come on, you're talking about West Virginia, and Arkansas has a shitload of sightings. And the shit my Uncle Jack told me was wild. He was the one that gave me the pointers that come back and dawned on me at that moment. If you're ever in the woods and something gets down at you or you feel like your damn wife, tuck your head and go. He knew, you know, so he was glad that, you know, I took up with them kind of guys, the older guys when I was growing up because I soaked their knowledge up like a sponge. And it, I think it just helped me with my experience.
0: Yeah, I think he gave you some very sound advice, man. If you're in the woods and you yep. feel like you're being watched, it's probably because you are.
1: Exactly. Because that's exactly how it went down. I had just vaguely got that thought when we were kids to look around behind me. I felt like something was watching. You know I me, mean? And then, boom, before I could turn my head, the rock crashed. Now, Todd's Creek, I didn't even know, I didn't even expect anything to happen like that. So that kind of took me at a full-on surprise, because you wouldn't think. You know, I mean, this is years later, of being a kid. But then when the times, you know, encounter Canada hit me and I, you know, I came within like 40, 40 yards and that's just given a lot. You know, it, it could have been 25 yards because the lake's not that big to turn that corner and put that light on that thing. That is what changed my life because that's what confirmed it for me. And I think that's why when I got to the bottom of the mountain and I was in the park, lot trying, you know, hands on knees trying to suck air, I get so psyched up talking about it because. You know, I've been letting it go recently, and it still, I still get that adrenaline flow. It's crazy. It is insane.
0: Yeah, man. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on and, and sharing your stories, man. I know it wasn't an easy thing for you to do, and I say it on other shows in the past. You know, for every one person that you're listening to on the show that comes on and tells their stories, there's at least one, possibly three or four more that I talk to off the air that just won't come on and share their story. So, um, right on,
1: because they're scared. I don't fear yeah. Yep, of being bombarded and bashed you know what I mean but at this point I'm glad you gave me the time to do it because you know like I said some things happened in my life that made me change my mind you know what I mean so I want to help the truthers out there because I know exactly what I've seen and I know what everybody else is seeing too
0: yeah man well I like I said I can't thank you enough for coming on and, and sharing your story I really do appreciate it
1: if you have any more questions get back at me anytime I appreciate. appreciate you I appreciate you a lot
0: All right, right now I want to welcome Randy to the show. Randy comes to us from Indiana, but back in 1966, Randy had an encounter with Sasquatch in Ohio, and he's going to tell us that story tonight. It's a fascinating account. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Thanks for being with us tonight, Randy.
2: Thank you, Brian. Back in 1966, I had an encounter in June or July in Preble County, Ohio, near West Elkton, Ohio, mid-morning. I was eight and a half years old. I had three relatives with me. We were looking for a lost Chihuahua. Standing in front of my house, facing outward fields and woods. After that, to the right was a steep hill and farmhouses. So the obvious route was to go left. There was three houses to the left, a farmhouse, and three houses to the left of that. We saw nothing. Walked further. There were clover fields and a lane to the right. Left of the lane was more clover fields. The lane stretched out at least a mile long, on both sides overgrown with brush and blackberry bushes. The lane itself was gravel and had lots of grass in spots. wasn't traveled much at all. At the end of the lane was a big barn, and all of us kids used to play there in the barn. There was a house that stood left of the barn. It was abandoned. We would hunt for salamanders there. Caught a lot of salamanders. Snakes. Usually black snakes and garter snakes. Back from the house was an old cemetery. Beyond that was woods. We picked a lot of blackberries there by ourselves. And sometimes with labor man. We would pick the blackberries and our mom would make Blackberry Jam, we'd also ride our bikes up and down the lane. We'd catch bumblebees in the clover fields and mayonnaise jars and run through the cornfields. Catch tiggers. sometimes. We'd go down the lane. It had an S-curve less than a quarter mile in. We got around the S-curve. There was a Cadillac convertible. It Was kind of brown, bronze in color. I collected model cars, so even at the age of eight and a half, it was easy to spot out what kind of car it was. I saw in front of the car standing a creature, holding a woman. It had big white eyes, with dark, piercing and pupils, and a glaring stare. Holding the woman like a barbell up toward its chest, the woman was screaming help. The creature had brown stringy hair, and long, with a gray hue. I never heard of a Bigfoot. The its head a little from left to right, but continued to stare. It had a kind of like a growl, grunt noise. If I remember right, it was mad. It was raging. It appeared to be very upset, but not wanting to, not wanting to upset the woman, even though she was terrified and screaming. We were very terrified. We froze. After a few seconds, we ran. But I remember. Is the creature skin in there? I don't remember seeing it from the waist down, but I remember very much its glare and its eyes. I don't remember the run home. Someone said later, which was my sister, that she remembers people saying something about it. Motor relatives said they remember talk of it. One of the older relatives at a party as an adult was drunk and was talking to her husband and said that she remembered Bigfoot and was talking to him about it. That was the first I ever heard her say anything about it. I didn't respond. My cousin my age, we just kind of accepted that what we saw was what we saw and went on with life. My older brother, Although we never talked about it until recent years, he remembers Bigfoot well. He remembers the footprints around the barn, the footprints around the house. He remembers Bigfoot, his features well in the face. He doesn't remember the woman. I remember the woman really well. I vaguely remember the footprints around the house and the barn. The lane, I found out, was nicknamed Lover's Lane. The area could handle a Bigfoot easily. I think it was two people making out. I didn't remember seeing a guy, hearing a guy, or anything else. I hope the woman got away, and I feel bad to this day. She was a blonde, chubby woman who was dwarfed in his arms. All I remember is her screaming, help, maybe maybe help me, but mostly I remember her saying, help. I don't remember nobody saying anything to any of the adults. I'm from a divorced family. My mom was the only one at home. My aunt most likely was there. I don't remember if my uncle was there or at work. Later, to counter my ordeal, which was through my entire life, I still think about it today. I ran past that house, and every time I walked to my neighbor's, especially if it's dark, but I went camping back there, the woods back. We still went back there and played in the barn during the day. We still put blackberries back there. We still rode our bikes back there. But I lost my virginity in that lane just prior to the S-curve. I felt so badly that I couldn't help the lady to this day. But I learned self-defense. Bruce Lee was kind of my mentor. I'm really good at self-defense. I've taught church youth groups. I've taught many people self-defense. And it's my way of giving back. Is something that I couldn't give back to that lady at the age of eight and a half. And my ordeal was true. There was other sightings within 10 miles that was actually reported to the police in the 70s and even 2014. And the only reason I came about my story to, to the public is because that lane has since then been destroyed. In 2020, the lane was still there, but after February of 2020, the lane has been destroyed. I feel that Bigfoot actually resided there, and that I could have took it to where he lived. But I know he's not there now. Whether he's still in that area or not, I have no idea. I don't. Of course, I know he's not there. He could be. He could be somewhere else. I believe in Bigfoot because I saw him before I ever knew he existed, and. I found out through my research that they like berries, and that lane was full of blueberry, blackberries. And he is described. A guy asked me when I joined the Bigfoot site, he asked me, have I ever seen any of the drawings? I went to the drawings and found two that looked like the creature that I saw. And I called him, called him a creature because, at the time because I never knew a Bigfoot existed. And that's pretty much about it. I've never went looking for him. My ordeal was that I was the first naked person I've ever seen female, and that's sad in itself. Uh, I don't know. I believe because i seen. I don't have to have proof. My proof, was my proof was being a witness. I've got a lot of people on the Facebook site saying, where's your proof? Well, in 1966, at the age of eight and a half, being 85 pounds soaking wet, riding a 24-inch bike, I really didn't have much proof. Uh, except for what I saw, and I saw what I saw, and I could swear on a stack of Bibles and pass the light detector test that it's 100% for real, and that's pretty much about it.
0: So what What were you—you you guys were just out playing on the lane, and you were riding your bike, and you, you guys just rode up on this scene where this thing had picked up a lady, and she was screaming for help?
2: No, I actually was looking for a lost chihuahua dog.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah. You were looking for the dog. Yeah. He's so looking
2: for a, a
0: So when you guys saw this, Randy, you're you're clearly eight and a half years old. So your your worldview is sort of narrow at that time because you're you're eight and a half, of course. I mean, what what was going through your mind when you saw this thing holding this lady up and she's screaming for help? Was it just standing in the middle of the street holding this lady up?
2: Well, that was around the, it was around the S group. We were at, we, you know, we were actually walking fast when we was looking for the dog, we was actually walking fast when we went down the lane and around the S-curve. And, uh, we went around the S-curve we immediately came up on the car and while we was walking before we seen the creature, which I call the creature at the time I didn't know it was Bigfoot. And, uh, we was going to go around and then we gazed upon and saw it. And it was just like, first, it was just like, first thing I saw was the woman screaming and then saw the creature holding it, and immediately went to them, went to his eyes, which was just scary, really scary and when you saw his eyes, it was like he was glued to him, and uh the woman was just like kind of like for a second, except for her wiggling wiggling around and uh but he seemed like he had some type of power or something because I don't know if it was just because he was terrified. But it seemed like that I lost memory uh lost memory I didn't even remember the run home, but I remember him and the woman, the car, you know exactly where he was at, and uh you know you know real good. the picture was picture perfect and uh but his glare was just you know terrifying and he't don't, I don't remember seeing no teeth, and I often wondered why I didn't see no teeth. But I think, you know, years later, I think the reason was is because he didn't, he knows he didn't have to he didn't have to show teeth to scare us because he he could probably tell we was already petrified, and I think that maybe he didn't want to scare the terrified woman any more than she already was. And, uh, right, but I,
0: I know you I probably a, go ahead.
2: I think that he had some type of ESP powers. Seriously, I really do, because we, we he scared us quiet. I mean, I don't even remember us talking about it. I know me and my cousin that was my age, we were like brothers. We were really tight and ran together all the way up until pretty much, I mean, we grew a little separate because we both got married later in life, but we were like tight friends and brothers and we almost kind of like, a, I look back on it, we almost kind of like accepted it, c- accepted it won't we known to talking about it and kind of accepted it and moved on with life, but it's almost like he, he he's, that this creature had so much power that he either got it into her mind to not talk about it or got it into her mind i don't know what he did to us but he did you know it's kind of like something happened
0: so so looking back clearly you probably weren't thinking about this as an eight and a half year old but now that you're an adult and you you look back on the situation the, the car's there she's out of the car he's holding her up she's naked what do you think happened? What What do you think led up to that point? Do you think he he removed her from, like, stopped her and then pulled her out of this car? Do you, Do you think she had gotten out and was walking? Do you, I mean, in retrospect, do you do you have any? I know you're speculating, of course, because you you don't know. But what do, What do you think was going on before you guys got there and saw what was happening to her?
2: Well, with with knowledge that I gained later about that place being called Lever's Lane. I'm thinking that two people went back there to make out and that he was back there, like, picking blackberries or something, and that he, you know, mourned the girl and went after the girl and, and the guy took off running. He did something to the guy. There was no guy there uh, when we was there, and I don't know if he hurt the guy, the guy t- if the guy took off, if he knocked the guy out, killed the guy. Or, or what happened to the guy, there was no guy and there was no guy, no sounds, no nothing with the guy. I'm thinking that he kidnapped, you know, I mean, he had, he abducted the girl at the time, had her in his arms. And I don't know what his plans were. Uh, I know he planned on abducting her, but what he actually did with her, uh, I'm thinking seriously that he actually had a den back there in that barn or that house because, uh, my relative, uh, seen tracks at the house, seen tracks at the barn. And I, uh, know that he was there picking, must've been there picking berries, uh, and came upon them people. And, uh, like I said, I didn't see the man, but, uh, I think they probably took her, took her with him to the house or the barn, wherever they are at back there. And, uh, did whatever with her, kept her, abducted, or I like to think that she got away. But I don't know what uh, Bigfoot does, would do with the woman, in, in, as far as keeping her, he could have kept her and bred her. I don't, you know, uh, I know that they've been put, thought up to eat cattle and deer. I don't know that if he abducted her, sexually abused her, ate her, killed her. I, I really don't know. I like to think in my mind. Because I didn't do nothing. We didn't do nothing. Uh, we, you know, I didn't even tell nobody. I don't even remember running home. So in my mind, I always like to think that she got away. Uh, and, and I know that that's a possibility that might not have happened. And I think that that's one of the reasons that I, I learned self-defense and taught so many women for free. It was kind of like my way of giving back to society, thinking that I'm making up for being so so young and didn't help her. Yeah, and I, I think you're,
0: nah. you're you're probably beating yourself up a little bit there because I, if this thing had her in its grasp and it was, as you describe it, I don't think there was anything you guys could have done, even if you'd had a gun. It, it would have been a very large caliber weapon to, to do anything to this person. So just – Going back, were, were you ever able or did you ever try to go back and maybe look at some records to see if there was some sort of police report or some kind of missing persons report or something to sort of explain maybe what happened or what did any of the well, town back folk back or any of the people in your family ever talk about this lady coming up missing or, or possibly another? Well, back,
2: back at the time, you know, uh, once uh, in the 70s, uh, Even talk about bigfoot people laughed at you uh people laughed at you like you was an idiot or stupid or on drugs or something and uh so first time i heard about you know you know i might have been in the dark i didn't pay attention but first time i really heard a lot about bigfoot i was like 21 it was in the 70s and uh then i was kind of thinking like you know you know whatever happened you know kind of happened i thought about checking police reports, but it being Lover's Lane, you know, after finding out it was Lover's I called nicknamed Lover's Lane, and people going back there and making out, it could have been from not just a Preble County, it could have been from uh, Butler County, uh, which is a a nearby county, Uh, it could have, you know, it could have been somebody from a woman from Preble County or Butler County, and it's still a distinct possibility that, you know, if I could research the records, that Something like that could come up—a missing woman uh, or a car. Uh, you, know, I went, you know, I was nice to me to check a license plate number. Or, uh right. but I do remember the car being a Cadillac.
0: Yeah, uh, I definitely I think there would there would probably have been some sort of record. So let's go back to the to the creature that you saw, or the. I, I really don't mm-hmm. even know how how you would describe it. You you could certainly describe that better than than I could. as much as you can, I know it was a long time ago and you were eight and a half years old, but you saw this thing from the waist up. Can you just describe for the audience and sort of in detail what you saw from the waist up? You know, did it look like a man? Did it look like an ape? Did you describe the facial features as much as you can? and, And how, how tall and how big do you think this thing was?
2: well, the woman, first off, the woman—he—he he was holding the woman like a, like a barbell that has the weights on both ends in the bar, all the way through, and and you lift the barbell in the middle. He was lifting the woman like he was curling her, and she was an adult woman, and she was wasn't skinny; she was chub, you know, chubby, if you will, and she was a full mature adult, and he had her not real tight against his chest, but. Not, you know, not cleansing her against his chest, but she was snug against his chest. So I seen like his arms, forearms, and muscular, very muscular. And the hair was stringy, not an inch long, shoulders broad, uh, broad shoulders was her head. Uh, her head was probably bent, but her head was probably even her head was probably even to his shoulder her feet probably from just the end of her calf dangled down from his bicep
1: and i don't
2: i don't notice the the, the neck uh didn't, the neck there was hair. Uh, mainly the face looked more manly. Uh, the nose didn't look squished. Uh, it was more like string, you know, stringy hair. You know, stringy hair. I didn't. Remember the ears that much? The forehead looked more manly.
0: Uh, so ultimately, it, it it seems like it looked more manlike than ape-like. Is that what I'm hearing you say?
2: Oh yes, it didn't look it didn't look ape-like at all. Uh,
0: could you tell? What, looking back, do you think you know you could estimate how
2: tall this thing was? Well, I mean, I was, I used to watch basketball, I, and, uh, Du Alcindor, uh, Du Alcindor was like my, one of my favorite players, and Bill Russell, and, at the time, and, we made Du Alcindor look small. Uh, so, easy, only, Du Alcindor was skinny. This guy, this thing was muscular, I mean muscular, uh, but well-proportioned muscular. I mean, uh, stood. I mean, stood straight up, erect, erect, and just like a man. I mean, uh, I'm. I would guess eight foot easy. Uh, you know, eight foot easy because the woman was fully. You know, she was an adult. I mean, the dwarfness of her. I mean, even if she was short. Which she didn't appear short to work me. She was dwarfed in his arms, uh, from his shoulder to shoulder. Uh, so he was—he would be easy. He would be easy, eight foot over eight foot. Wow, and, that's pretty and tall. His weight, his weight would be a good. Couldn't couldn't even estimate his weight, but very muscular. Uh, and I know, uh, you know, one of the reasons that I, you know think that i didn't try anything like try to yell at him or something because i know that he could have carried her and ran after us and thought nothing of it and i knew that in my mind uh i was scared i was scared i was horrified terrified uh yeah i think you guys did
0: the right thing i think getting out of there was the best thing you could do at the time and i think you made the right decision so so it sounds like go ahead
2: the crazy thing is, is also when i look back on it There was no way that it was some dude stacked up in stilts wearing a costume that realistic. I mean, this thing was a beast, you know, purely a beast. Did you say it
0: made some sort of noise? Did it yell at you guys?
2: It didn't yell. It just, like, looked at us like, looked at us and made like a, almost like a, almost like a grunt, almost like a howl, but it wasn't yelling because, it, like I said, later I think it didn't make a big old noise because the woman was already screaming and wiggling in his arms, and we already seen the look on our face, and he was trying to get us the heck out of there, and I think he was, you know, just wanting us to get out, get the heck out of there. And we already knew he was accomplishing that. And then, I mean, he so, was froze for a second.
0: Yeah, By I can, God, I can, can only know? imagine. I, I, I couldn't imagine seeing that now, and I'm a grown man. I, I couldn't imagine what it would be like to be eight, eight and a half years old and see this. So it sounds like through the years you've you've sort of not really gotten into the subject, but you've done some research on these things. Doing some research and and taking a look at you know reports and sightings and and all the things that are out there now. What do you think these things are?
2: Uh, well, I think they're very smart. I think they're very very smart. I think that they can communicate with their mind. I I, I really think they can communicate with their mind and they are slick. They are so slick. The, the only reason that the only reason it was just so haphazard that we even came up on it and caught it by surprise, and the only reason we got caught it by surprise is because he was preoccupied with that woman. And, you know, he got preoccupied. I mean, how he got preoccupied, I think it was picking berries and came up on two people making out. So it was something out of his doings of what he was doing, and then we was looking for a dog, which came upon it, which caught it by surprise, and, and that's how that you know happened in the first place. You know, it was everything was kind of like irregular, off beat. You know, he was doing some berries in the mid I mean, he was hidden. It was around that S-curve, well hidden, mid morning, and. The two lo- lovers go down levered Lane around the S curve. They was well hidden. Well, us looking for the dog, full of energy, walking fast around that curve, just happened to come upon it. Mm. You know, it was just like the timing was just happened, and and it's you know the thing is is I you know other than the woman being abducted and caught, I am so happy to have witnessed it, but. I wish I could have just seen it eating berries or something, and uh, because I'm really, really, you know, ecstatic about witnessing it, Mm -hmm. but I I can't. I I never know what happened to the woman, and you know, I really don't care if people believe me or not because I'm all the proof I need to know that I seen it. And the only reason I even came out is I happened to, you know, I scroll on Facebook and I seen this Bigfoot site and I thought, oh heck, you know. And see what's happening. I joined it, and people. I said, "Thanks for the ad. I seen Bigfoot in 1966, and I know they exist." And I got 450 likes. in one day, people started asking me questions. I was like, "Wow, what's this all about?" And, and the only reason I even came about to even answer questions is because in 2020, went to Google Maps. I thought about you know I think about Bigfoot a lot, and so I went to Google Maps to just check that lane out and there it was and then after I joined that Bigfoot site I went to Google Maps and it was gone mm-hmm. and, and it was all the farmers plowed it under and uh and I thought well all my life I thought Bigfoot still resides there back in that barn back around that house picking in berries and living there's ponds and everything back there wildlife to, and uh I thought, well, he's moved on, so it's safe because I wouldn't have exposed him for a million bucks. You could have said, Hey Randy, there's a million bucks. Take me to Bigfoot. You could have took a thousand people in a big circle and went in and I think he'd have still got away somehow. But even if they even if he couldn't have got away, I wouldn't have exposed him for a million bucks. Hmm. Because I I I think he has the right to be preserved, not you know, hunted down or killed. Uh, you know, I, I I I don't think that they should be killed. Uh, I think that the proof should you know should be had uh, to shut people up, calling people fakes. And uh, but I you know I don't want them killed.
0: I have mixed feelings about that. Honestly, I, I think the only way that that's ever really going to happen is if somebody does shoot one of these things and drags it in and says, right. here's the proof. Um, right. Because the videos out there, there's there's plenty of evidence out there for for people to absorb and say, yeah, these things exist. But you know, some people are just like that. You got to see it to believe it, and I, I kind of understand that. I'm, I'm sort of that type of person too. Um, but you know, I, I think that's probably the only way it's ever really going to be proven.
2: I just didn't want the one of the one that I encountered. I don't know how long they live. I mean, he could still be alive because you know who knows they could live to be 80 i'm you know i'm 64 63 almost 64 they could live to be 80 mm-hmm. and uh, it could be the same one that i've seen i don't want him to i don't want the one i seen to get killed so you know i definitely understand about you're going to have to kill one to bring it in but i just didn't want the one i seen to get killed
0: i can i can i can see him. that i can relate to that Well, I tell you, man, it was a fascinating account. I I really can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing it with us tonight. I really do
2: appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it, and I appreciate you, too, and you're the very first one that I've told my complete story to, and and there's reasons behind me waiting this long to tell it.
0: Well, I I really do appreciate it, man. I, I appreciate you trusting me enough with
2: your story. Thank you, Brian.
0: And that's going to do it for tonight's show, folks. Remember, if you've had an encounter and you'd like to be on the show, shoot me an email. You can get me at brian at sasquatchodyssey.net. Have a great night, and we'll see you guys next week.